MoreLikeRadio.com. It's our duty to entertain you. <laughs> I said duty. Only alcohol can make life bearable. You must drink, always drink. I blame this all on Kevin, DMU. Has anyone ever known a good person named Kevin? We, we hung out with, with Kevin from Alcohol by Volume. He only says like three words. He, he's like really shy. He barely talked to me. Towards the end of the night when he was drinking more, man, he, he was he was right there with us talking about my own minute. Alcohol by Volume? <sighs> I'm actually kind of drunk. Alcohol by Volume, awesome show. You really want to get drunk? <laughs> Listen to that show because by hour two he's blitzed. I bet. Oh, it's awesome. Because it's a beer show. Kevin, some stupid piece of weird Polish last name. Yeah. Where's your dedication there, Kevin? Your own show or someone else's? Alcohol in my volume. Alcohol in my volume. I shove alcohol in my butthole. That's not it. It's nothing to do with butthole. I mean, can you even get drunk anymore? It's kind of like a drinking a vitamin. So you're blaming the drunker. Yes, I'm blaming the MLR drunker, Kevin. Hello, bartender. I have thought it over, and far from being a fat pig, you are very nice. And I would like another drink. Take a barf, drunkie! Good evening, everybody. Welcome to another fun-filled edition of Alcohol by Volume, episode number 74. If you want to call in, the number is 862-345-7125, and via Skype, it is Alcohol by Volume, all one word. Of course, coming up in, um, well, actually, less than a month now, the MLR live event number two coming up August 9th at Just Jake's in Montclair, New Jersey. There are going to be comedians, live music. Uh, there's a suggested $10 donation with the proceeds going to Otto Peterson's family. Lots of MLR personalities will be there, such as the wonderful gang from Talk Radio Meltdown, among many others. Uh, so let's see, what did I do for the past week? Um, not as much drinking as you might mm, think that I would be doing. But on, what day was that? Saturday. I uh, visited another brewery on my um, brewery tour around New Jersey. And uh, I, I'm kind of stuck. I don't know anymore to go to in the immediate area. But I visited Cricket Hill Brewing in Fairfield, New Jersey. Uh, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't sure what to expect from that one because like I mentioned last show, the previous week I had gone down um, a little bit further south in Jersey and went to Carton Brewing and Cane Brewing. Carton Brewing was in an old 100-year-old building across the street from an elementary school. That still amazes me. And uh, Cane Brewing was in an industrial complex, and it looked like it was kind of a uh, built into an old warehouse. Well, Cricket Hill, it was another one that was... Mm, it was an industrial park. Uh, they had their sign on the, you know, the marquee with the other tenants of the building or whatnot and um a bit of a different operation though compared to Kane and carton the first thing when we got there we got there um relatively early in in their day uh i think they opened up for business really uh at noon and we got there maybe about a quarter after 12 and we were really the first people there 
so I went up um, to the bar. In fact, uh, the uh, brewmaster there, he was um, trying out a beer that they're going to have released, uh, I would guess, probably by September. And it's Cricket Hills uh, Pumpkin Beer. And I don't even remember having it last year, but they did have it. It did come out last year. I just don't remember having it. But he had, uh, he gave us, um, me and uh, my father-in-law, not my wife, because uh, she does not drink beer and she's pregnant, so double problem there, but gave us each a sample. My father-in-law didn't really dig it because he doesn't like the pumpkin beers too much, but I really liked it, thought the spices were nicely balanced and all that good shit. But that was that was kind of a nice treat, getting to try a beer completely fresh from the brewery that this blend isn't even on shelves yet. So that was that was pretty cool. That was a, that was a little bit of a difference there. And then while we waited um, for the actual kind of guided tour to start, they they wanted more people, so they weren't just walking us three around there. And more people did show up uh, within a little while. They let us kind of go into the brewing room and just kind of you know wander around, check things out, as long as we weren't touching any buttons. And the big difference with Cricket Hill was that they had their own bottling line there, which I found to be pretty fucking cool. I've never seen a bottling line up close like that. And um, they buy all their own sterilized bottles, you know, shunt it into the thing. It picks them up, washes them out again just in case. Ooh, excuse me. Runs them through the line, fills them with the beer, and uh, the the tap that comes down to fill the bottles. If you've ever watched Bar Rescue and you see those turbo taps that John Taffer puts into a lot of the bars that fills the beer from the bottom, basically the same method with these kind of things. So it goes in there. um, Before they put the beer in, they fill it with nitrogen to get all the air out. And the beer then forces the nitrogen out goes into the the capping thing uh, they have a whole thing filled with bottle caps that go onto the bottles and then the labeler and then it's off to get boxed so it, w- it was cool to see they didn't have the line running which was kind of a bummer but I didn't really expect them to I, I didn't expect a bottling line anyway uh, carton for instance with with their cans I don't even think they have any bottles if I remember correctly with their cans they actually have a truck come in to do it and I noticed with their cans they are labeled cans but they're they're seamlessly well not literally seamlessly but they they attach very well to the can you're not peeling these things off you can feel the seam on the side of it but if you didn't feel it there you would have thought it was just printed onto the can like many many other beers but uh so apart from the bottling line he took us through he showed us the um the station it was a um it, it was their keg washing station where it's pretty much a repurposed, I think, restaurant two or three sink setup that they set up. And I guess it's unique to Cricket Hill. They pretty much concocted this whole device. Uh, saw all the fermentation tanks. They had some smaller ones, some fucking huge ones. And uh, during the tour, I had a pint of, what was it, the Nocturne Chocolate Ale. Had it before in bottles. Wasn't all that impressed. On tap, much, much better. Uh, you get a lot more of that roastiness out of it. God, I sound douchey when I say roasty. Ugh. 
but drank that going through. And then before we left, I filled up a growler of fuck. I'm I'm forgetting the name of it, but it's their Imperial IPA. I figured in the fridge I already had a porter, which I still I still have that left over from Kane from uh, last week, or actually technically the week before. And another growler that I picked up before we went to the brewery, I got a growler of Shipyard's Melonhead. If you like watermelon, or if you like uh, 21st Amendment's Hell or High Watermelon, check out Shipyard's uh, Melonhead. It's different than Hell or High Watermelon. Um, not not in a bad way, and not necessarily in a better way either. It's, just, it's a different watermelon flavor. But really, really good. When I saw that they were going to have that on tap at one of the local liquor stores, I I had to get it over the weekend. And since their growlers are three dollars off on Saturdays, uh, I think I got the fill for seven ninety nine. I mean, I don't even think I could get a six pack of Melonhead for that much. So pretty decent deal there. So that's that's actually what I'm drinking right now. Uh, um. Yeah, so I and then I had the um, IPA from Cricket Hill, so you know porter, fruit beer, IPA. I'm trying to mix it up in the fridge a little bit. Still got two cans of uh, Carton's Monkey Chase the Weasel left. Still got one can of Twenty First Amendment Heller High Watermelon, one can of Old Chub Nitro left, and then a bottle of Dogfish Head Ninety Minute IPA that I am still saving to have with those Dogfish Head brats that I actually have not made yet. Said I was gonna make them last week, and I'm fucking lazy. Well, not 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 truly lazy. I mean, I I was off from work all last week, but I had a lot of shit going on. Uh, you know, the typical running in the morning and working on making DVD copies for my videography shit and all that. In fact, I just got a shipment of blank DVDs and blank cases in today, so I'm uh, printing more DVDs. I got an ink cartridge that I needed, so I'm printing more inserts and blah, 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 blah. But probably the busiest thing that happened to me last week, I uh, decided to play in a floor hockey tournament on Friday night. Started off at about 10 p.m., and my team ended up playing uh, three games. We won the first first game, then other two teams played, then we played another game, won that game, and then the championship game, won that game, uh, got a $10 Dunkin', Dunkin' Donuts gift card out of it, so that wasn't too bad. I didn't make an ass out of myself. In fact, in the second game, I actually scored the first goal of the game right off the faceoff. I have no idea how I managed that. Um, I, it, Roy Black on Cracks ask, asking uh, ice or field hockey. It, it'd be it'd be ice hockey, but just on you know feet and floor. So ice hockey rules and everything. Although with this tournament, what made it a little bit more interesting was that there was no icing, no offside. Uh, all the regular penalties still applied and everything, though. But uh, that that was fun, and I was fucking sore for days after that. And, um, you know, stup- stupid me, because I, I apparently like making myself ridiculously sore. I uh, Between games, I decided to sign up for the summer floor hockey league that they have. So Friday nights for the next... 10 weeks, possibly 11, I'm going to be playing hockey and uh, probably not getting home until 2, 3 in the morning. So that'll be fun. I mean, on, on my Fitbit, I had gotten, let's see, okay, I got there on Friday, technically left on Saturday. On my Fitbit, I already had like 
almost 7,000 steps in for Saturday. So that was pretty fucking good. I, I think I ended up with 27,000 steps on Friday, and that was with running in the morning and then hockey, hockey, hockey. So didn't completely embarrass myself and enjoyed it enough to join the damn league. So I'll see what happens with that. Uh, nice guys there. I d- didn't have a problem with any of them. There were a few girls playing too, and there was this one that uh, apparently she plays soccer normally. And I have no idea how she had so much energy. She was just all over the fucking place. Um, dropping down to block shots and everything. I mean, she was fucking insane. She was she was good, though. I mean, I, I was involved in quite a few puck battles with her. Puck, ball, whatever, you know. Ah... But enough enough of the hockey talk, I guess. I mean, we're we're in the off season, so I can't really talk too much about that. Um, oh, and with with that, it, it could be eleven weeks if my team makes it into the playoffs. Blah blah blah. So back back to booze talk, though. Cornax, our own Cornax of the Nerd Hour, actually shared a new drink recipe with me that he uh, created, and I'm I'm very tempted to try this. I just need to get the right amounts of stuff. Um, and I, I know I have one of the ingredients. It's a matter of getting the other ones and not having to have way too much extra of it that I don't want. He took one can of Mountain Dew Voltage, and that's. I think if I can get that in a 20-ounce bottle, I'll do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay, white-ass Brent in the chat saying, only girls play field hockey, so I can see why you need some clarification. Fuck you, Brent. <sighs> Your beer will be arriving, uh, I think... Either tomorrow or Thursday, sir. <laughs> be nice to me. Then again, you don't have to be nice to me. The beer's already out there in the ether for you to pick up. Ugh. But anyway, uh, Mountain Dew Voltage. If they got it in a 20 ounce, I will, um, you know, get it that way. I don't want to get a 12 pack of it. Oh, welcome to the chat, Red Sox. And if you would like to join the chat, you're listening live, more like radio.com. Click on the live tab, listen live, chat live, all that good stuff. So, again, one can Mountain Dew Voltage, one can Bud Light Mango Rita. This is another one where I'm not buying a fucking 12-pack of it. If I have to get one of the large cans of the Mango Rita and just use eight ounces of it, because I don't know if I want to drink the rest of that. Uh, And then two shots of Captain Morgan. As he described it, without the Captain, it's sweet like candy. You only get the sting of the alcohol at the end. With the Captain Morgan, the sweetness is dulled down and there's more heft to it. So, I, I, I may try that. There's, there's another, another drink idea that I'm going to be covering today that I really want to try. But I've been spending too much money on show related. I mean, after that, uh, after that ice cream, I still, I still have the uh, the Midori sour sorbet left. So it, it, it's lasting somewhat. Ah, uh, um. Let's see. Eh, little 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 news articles from uh, BBC News. Germany Brazil World Cup game results in fifty cent pints in Ireland pub. Well, it, to be fair, I mean, okay. Well, let me read through the story to give you an idea why they were fifty cent pu- uh, pints. A pub in Galway in the Republic of Ireland is counting the cost of German success in Tuesday night's World Cup semi-final against Brazil. Germany trounced the host nation in the battle for a place in the final by seven goals to one. As part of a promotion during the match, the Roisin Dub Pub decided to reduce the price of a pint by 50 cents for each goal scored. 
you can see the problem occurring there. See, you don't expect a total of eight fucking goals in a soccer game. I think they were probably shocked that they even had to lower it more than a dollar. Or, not, or you know, whatever. Um, whatever the uh, monetary units, what, they use the euros, I guess, right? I think. I don't, I don't know fucking currency. Um, the German brew Erdinger was chosen as a European offering with the Brazilian beverage Brahma also on offer for fans watching the match. Each drink was on sale for four euros at the start of the game, but after five German goals in the first half of play, the price of a pint of Erdinger had dropped to one euro fifty cents by halftime. The European team went on to score two more goals, meaning that customers could purchase a drink for fifty cents for the last eleven minutes of the game. Uh, bar owner Gugai McNamara, what kind of name is Gugai, uh, said the result had taken them by surprise. No, really. <laughs> no shit. We realized we were in trouble quite early on. My poor bar manager had a look of panic on his face when I walked in. It was actually cheaper to buy a pint than a packet of crisps, but the customers were very responsible. People weren't ordering 15 or 20 pints at a time. Okay, that's fair. I mean, Irish being responsible? Wow. Word quickly began to spread on social media, and the pub was packed by the end of the match. People were flocking to us from other nearby pubs, and there was a huge uproar every time there was a goal scored. Um, Mac, uh, Mr. McNamara said the drinker's windfall on Tuesday night meant there was another full house for the following night's semifinal between Argentina and the Netherlands. Luckily for him, if not his patrons, it finished goalless after extra time before Argentina won on penalties. Now, I'm curious. Uh, you know, the, the, One of the... Um, one of the guys, or I think it was the bar owner, he mentioned, you know, cheaper to buy a pint than a packet of crisps there, or, or chips as we know them here. Uh, I wonder if this pub also served food, because they probably could, pff, made a fucking killing with people packing in there. But um, you make a promotion like that, it may potentially bite you in the ass. You, you gotta realize that shit. Uh, uh, one more little news story before I get into a topic that I raised on the Facebook page yesterday, I believe. Epic Brewing. Um, a bunch of you have probably had beers from Epic Brewing before. They do the uh, brainless fruit beers. Like I think there's like brainless on blueberries, brainless on cherries, and brainless on peaches. Well, the brainless on peaches, apparently they had a problem with a recent batch. And accidentally made a wild variety of it. Uh, so it had more of like the sour and funk to it, which it is not supposed to have. So I got this from the fullpint.com. Um, and ap- apparently this actually happened last year. Uh, they had been put up in December 2013. And I guess they were trying to figure out what to do with them. Um, a batch of one of their pri- uh, prize beers, Brainless on Peaches, went south during barrel aging. In April, we pulled down several barrels that had been put up. Okay. Um, they pulled them down in April, and they had put them up in December 2013. That makes sense. April, we pulled down several barrels that had been put up in December 2013, and the tasting panel came back with these nightmarish notes prohibiting the beer from blending. Um, part of their notes read, upon being tasted, all were found to have some off flavor. The off flavors include some or all the following tartness from mild lactic to strong puckering uh, acetic, uncharacteristic sweetness, uh, horsey funk, 
and they obviously said they couldn't sell that uh, as brainless on peaches because it, it wasn't their regular brew. In fact, they've won uh, Great American Beer Fest uh, silver medals for that beer. And they said, since the beer is meant to be only clean with a faint hint of tartness from the skin of the peaches, not sour and funky, we had to reevaluate you know, what we were doing. So they went through reevaluated everything they were doing, the processing, the handling for making brainless on peaches so they didn't do it again, and they bunged up the off-flavor barrels for either future disposal or some other yet-to-be-determined fate. Well, what happened is they went back to the barrels early in June, found they developed a little bit more, and thought that they might be able to release this as it is they said you know the the puckering with the uh, tartness was there the funk the peaches some wine flavor to it uh hinting of the bread and yeast so they selected the best barrels out of the bunch and they're releasing it sadly not in bottles but releasing it as a once-off likely never to be reproduced beer mainly because they don't really know what they did to fuck it up. So they they don't quite know what they uh, what they uh, did to reproduce. Uh, or they, they don't know what they did so that they could reproduce it. They did have lab results saying aggressive wild yeast and some other uh, acid-producing bacteria were at play in this. But um, beyond that, it they're, they're trying to do a little bit more research on it. Um Let's see, the, this beautiful one-off disaster we called Wild Brainless on Peaches. Ready to drink now to get this live sour beer out to market quickly for our followers to enjoy. Release, we're releasing approximately 60 quarter-barrel kegs of beer to the market, and it'll soon be poured in their Denver tap room, as well as other places that may have Epic on draft regularly. So if you're in a location that does not get Epic Brewing on draft, you're probably never going to see this, but if you're in the Denver area you get a better, much better chance of that. It, it makes me wish I was out there. I would love to try a taste of that, but I know there's literally no way I can do that unless somehow a growler got filled of it and sent to me, and that doesn't really sound feasible. Ah, so, let's see. The question I raised on the Facebook page yesterday... And this was actually inspired by a thread on the uh, alcohol subreddit on Reddit. At what age did you have your first drink, and what was it? I actually got some responses miraculously on the Facebook page. I was shocked. So the first one, it was actually a uh, colleague of mine from work. Uh, She said she was uh, 21, and it was Budweiser, which explains why I didn't start drinking beer again until I was 30. Fair bet. Then uh, my wife chimed in. She said she was 18. High school graduation party at her parents' house. She had a sip of um, TGI Friday's Mudslide and hated it. Oh, that those Friday's mixes were so fucking good, though. The Orange Dream. The um, I'm trying to remember what the strawberry one was called. but it, it, it Maybe it was just strawberry shortcake, but God damn it if it didn't taste like strawberry quick. Uh, she went on to say, I don't think any earlier experience with beer really counts because it never made it past my lips. Still don't like beer to this day. Of course, I'm always shoving it in her face like, here, smell this. What do you smell? Ah, it smells like beer. Although the melon head, she did pick up the watermelon from it. So I'm 
proud of her sometimes. Uh, next, uh, let's see. We got D from uh, Dutch and Royce and Hippo Juice. 21, it was a Smirnoff Ice. Uh, I didn't get drunk for the first time until around 28, though. And I think there, there's an article that I got following this that has to do with what underage drinkers drink when they're binge drinking. And Smirnoff Ice and stuff, you know, Mike's Hard Lemonade, those very well-marketed uh, malt beverages do... Those those are a lot of people's really first, first drinks. Um, I know when I was not drinking beer and I didn't want to be, like, downing shots and stuff, it was always Mike's Hard Lemonade for me. Although that, at the time, that had just come out. I was... 18, 19, so it, it, it had barely been around for that long. I, I, Smirnoff Ice had not even been released yet either. Uh, we got, uh, let's see, we got, we got Red Sox here. Uh, 15, snuck into the woods at a family party with my cousins, had a couple of rolling rocks, and thought it was the worst crap I ever tasted. And, uh, I will agree Rolling Rock is pretty shit. Uh, and you know, when we're that age, we don't really know any better. Um, but I saved I saved my favorite one for last. Our very own Western Echo. He said, 14, my cello teacher's home. Um, actually, this probably is more appropriate. 14, my cello teacher's home. She was out, and her son brought home a canister of some horrible homemade wine. Oh, wait, okay. This isn't a porn story. Never mind. Um, which he and a few students, myself included, proceeded to drink in the kitchen, cut two hours for- forward, and I was vomiting off the seventh floor balcony. Uh, <laughs> I, I, but Dennis, were there any people underneath that seventh floor balcony were there any people on the lower balconies that were watching you puke oh i puke in parking lots you puke off balconies but i i i I thought that was a pretty pretty decent little survey you know not not a poll or anything but you know perhaps a survey um it's hard for me to try and think back exactly to when my first real drink was. Um, I, I I know when I was younger, I would get a little sip of my mom's Kahlua and cream or something like that. I don't I don't really count that. Um, I never I mean I never stole any of my dad's beers or anything like that. I don't even remember tasting any of my dad's beers ever. Um, well, let's you know I. I Oh, I remember. I remember sometimes spiking my coffee with Kahlua on the way to uh, to school in my senior year. I walked to school, so it was very easy. Um, and that was when I was sixteen, so probably would have to be fifteen when I was uh, at occasional parties. But it, it, I think with that, it was probably just like spiked punch or some shit like that. And I don't think I really, eh, won't. It's it's kind of a blur then. It's really kind of a blur, but it had to have been some kind of stupid spiked party punch 
bullshit. After that, it was it was all Boone's Farm and you know Absolute and Goldschlager. Goldschlager cannot drink that anymore. No more Goldschlager. I'm trying to remember if I puked the Goldschlager. Um, I don't. Did I? Yeah, I think I puked the Goldschlager. I think I puked it the day after though. Mm. Uh, but that that uh, gets into that article I mentioned. Uh, this is from the Washington Post. What underage drinkers drink when they binge drink? There, there really aren't a lot of surprises on here. Uh, it, it's stuff that is marketed. Stuff that you don't even have to be a drinker to really be familiar with the brands here. The, the top one, 13.5% of um, those polled. Bud Light, that's, that's always the gimme. I mean, that when, shit, when I started drinking beer, Bud Light was my gimme. Mind you, that was pretty much like my mid-twenties, I guess. Uh, next on the list, Jack Daniels Bourbons. It, it, Jack is just... That's just one of those names that you know as a booze. You know, you you know Jack Daniels. There, there's no escaping that. Um, next on the list, Smirnoff Malt Beverages. So you're Smirnoff Ice and all that. Budweiser, Coors Light, no surprises there. Smirnoff Vodkas. If you didn't know Smirnoff Vodkas before, you knew them because of the malt beverages, probably. <clears throat> um, let's see. Uh, Corona, Captain Morgan. Again, commercials really you know, um, put that to the forefront. Heineken, Bacardi Rums. Um... Four loco, which I don't think I've ever even had a four loco before. That I think that I think that might be kind of a generational thing where you know the the kids today are drinking the four loco. Mike's hard lemonade, of course, I already mentioned that. Keystone Light, Grey Goose vodkas. I didn't realize Grey Goose had that much like market saturation, but I don't. Maybe I don't know. Does Jay Z rap about Grey Goose or something? Don't know. Uh, UV vodkas, those I would guess is because they're very colorful, very flavored, things like that. I mean that that's what I was you know puking up on uh, the vodka night. That gives you an idea there. Miller Lite, uh, Jose Cuervo tequila, Patron tequilas, again two very easily identifiable tequilas. Uh, Bacardi malt beverages. I honestly forgot that Bacardi did their own malt beverages, just like the Smirnoff Ices. Uh, Natty Light, Barefoot Wines. Barefoot Wines surprised me, but my guess is that these kids are stealing from their parents' collection there. That their parents happened, that's the wine they have in the house. So, yeah, just, you know, they're either stealing from their parents or they're saying, oh, yeah, let's get some wine. Uh, what does your mom usually drink? Uh, barefoot? Okay, then there you go. Uh, Hennessy Cognac. Uh, E&J Gallo Brandy, Jack Daniels Cocktails. Again, that stems from just the knowledge of Jack Daniels Bourbons. And then Malibu Rums. I, I knew Malibu Rums easily when I was 16, 17, and was making a goddamn good Malibu Bay Breeze by the time I was 18. So uh, Let me see if there's anything else interesting in the article. Binge drinking among young people is highly prevalent. Well, yeah, you're young. You're like... Like Doug Stanhope said, you're not going to fuck anything up 
hopefully, that you can't really bounce back from unless you're you know drunk driving, then you're fucked. But 67% of all drinks consumed by youth aged 13 to 20 done so as part of binge drinking episodes. Uh, they go through the brands and everything. And, and in the article, they basically say what I said. Uh, it's the marketing practices of the larger brands, um, the marketing efforts. Uh, top 25 brands account for over 46% of all binge episodes across the nearly 900 alcohol brands included in the study. Uh, what's more, underage drinking is still tied to hundreds of thousands of hospital visits each year and one stupid 34-year-old guy. Oof. Uh, currently, national and state-level policy is aimed at curbing underage drinking. Blah, 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 blah. Underage drinking is not going away. It's always been there. It's always going to be there. You're... You the most you can do is just try and educate people as you know to be smart and not be stupid about it, and that's about it. If you try and just completely forbid, 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 well, what do you think the teenagers are gonna do? You know, don't you know, don't drink. They're gonna drink. Don't smoke pot. They're gonna smoke pot. Don't smoke. They're gonna smoke. I was told don't drink, don't do drugs, don't smoke. What did I do? Everything. So well, I mean. I didn't do whole lots of drugs. Pot was pretty much the limit of that. Never did coke, crystal meth, heroin. Always been curious, but eh, not enough to actually dip into that. Because that's a bad, bad idea. Um, let me cross that, cross that. Did that, did that. These are a couple infographics that I came across on Reddit yesterday. I don't typically go out to the bar that much, and when I do, I really don't order mixed drinks that often unless it's a situation where I really need a drink and they only have shit beer. Um, But ordering drinks at a bar, there is a concept that I was completely unaware of, rail drinks versus call drinks. And there was a user on Reddit that... um, that made Jesus Christ these infographics got big okay let me start on the rail drinks here uh what are rail drinks and why the fuck is this so huge Jesus fucking Christ okay that's better oh no wonder it was zoomed to 110% how the hell did that happen um so what are rail drinks Well, they are within close reach of the bartender, the cheapest brands of different liquors stored in a speed rail or well. If you watch Bar Rescue, you're familiar with the well. Uh, John Taffer, you know, talks about it. Other names for rail drinks include well drinks, house brands, house pours. While the actual brand will vary, the liquors typically found in a rail include vodka, rum, tequila, gin, whiskey, and triple sec. Those are your standards. It could always, you could have something different in there though, but more often than not, you're going to have those six there. So how do you order a rail drink? You first state the type of alcohol you want, followed by what you'd like it mixed with. So you'd say you want a whiskey and Coke. You would not say you want a Jack and Coke. That leads up, well, actually, um, that will lead into the call drinks there. But uh, common rail drinks, hold on a second. 
Okay, sorry about that. Uh, common rail drinks include whiskey and Coke, whiskey and, whiskey and Sprite, whiskey and sour, rum and Coke, rum and Dr. Pepper, which is kind of weird. I never thought about doing rum and Dr. Pepper, and now I want to. Uh, vodka and water, vodka and soda, vodka and tonic, vodka and orange juice, also known as a uh, screwdriver. I guess you would, if you just ordered a screwdriver, that would count as a just a rail drink. Uh, and vodka and cranberry. And then you have gin and tonic. So, obviously. Very, very generic. It's, it, it's, it's basically the, the kind of thing you'll probably hear ordered on a, on a TV show. You know how when they go up to the bar, they never order, you know, give me a Budweiser, give me a Sam Adams. No, no, it's give me a beer. And, well, beers don't quite work like that at the bar. But, uh, hard liquor, it'll work like that. So if you just say, you know, give me a whiskey and Coke, actually, they're probably not even going to say Coke on the air because you need to pay for that marketing too. So g- give me a, give me a whiskey and soda. Give me, or give me a whiskey and cola. Give me a whiskey and, uh, clear cola if you want a Sprite, I suppose. Uh, let me get to the second infographic here. God damn it. Chrome is being a fucking bitch today. Uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. There we go. Okay. So what are call drinks? Another term often used is you call it. When you tell the bartender what specific brand of liquor you'd like in your mixed drinks. It makes perfect sense here. You call the liquor. Most bars have a wide variety of choices for whatever suits your needs. Um, and I've never been terribly brand specific when it comes to this. I mean, I figure if it's if it's cheaper to just, you know, have a rail drink or a well drink or whatever, I'm probably going to do that. Um let's see. Uh So, example, barrel stock many kinds of vodka to choose from, Svedka, Sky, Absolute, Stolichnaya, stuff like that. Uh so how do you order a call drink? First, you state the brand of alcohol you want, followed by what you'd like it mixed with. Simply saying a type of liquor is not a call drink, but a well drink, like I mentioned. So if you say, hi, I'd like a Jack and a Coke, or Jack and Coke, that's a call drink. Whiskey and Coke, not. Um, Oftentimes, bars, and I did not realize this, bars will feature you-call-it specials, meaning all-call drinks at the same discounted price. That's nice. Use these as a chance to get some higher-quality liquor without hurting your wallet. Now, if, if I was at a bar and I was drinking hard liquor, mixed drinks, stuff like that, and they had a special like that, well, of course I'm going to go, you know, Jack and Coke, something like that. You know, I'll go, um, oh, Jesus Christ, you know, have like a you know, Maker's Mark or something like that. But otherwise, I normally couldn't give two shits. Um, also says, warning, top shelf or premium brands will usually be excluded from these specials. Oh, no. Be sure to ask the bartender if unsure if a certain brand will count. For example, Grey Goose may be considered top shelf in one bar, but a call drink in another. Uh, sometimes, I guess it depends on the area that you're in, the prestige of the bar, perhaps. Um, back in the chat here, Roy Black on Crack says, I had a Dr. Pepper with rum and lime once. I thought I finally had all the ingredients for a Cuba Libra, but it turned out it was Dr. Pepper instead of Coke. Um, oh, Jack and Royal, Jack and Royal Crown, Mr. Pib and Vodka. Mr. Mr. Pib is good. Mr. Pib, I like Mr. Pib. 
Um, I never find Diet Pib though. Although I know there, fuck, there was there was a restaurant that I used to go to somewhat frequently that actually did have Diet Pib. Um, I'm trying to think of like some other some other mixes that would work. I mean, w- one nice thing is like. Um, I mean, I guess I could do, like, rum and... Because I, I only drink diet soda because I'm a fucking pussy, but whatever. Uh, 6.45 for you there, Dennis. Um, but uh, you know, Cherry Coke Zero, Jack and Cherry Coke Zero, I think that would work. Um, I got Diet Coke Lime. That would mix with a lot of different things. Um, I, I'm still... I'm very curious to figure out if there are any sodas that my bacon vodka would mix favorably with. I haven't been adventurous enough to try it yet. Um, the mixing, that is. I have had a couple shots of the bacon vodka, at least. But I know, it, like, the, the typical is, you know, make a Bloody Mary with it. But mm, not a not a tomato juice kind of guy, really. Um, but if, if anybody has any ideas or stuff that you've mixed bacon vodka with, let me know, because... I I want to drink that stuff more because it's goddamn good. Um, just thinking of thinking of other sodas. Um, wouldn't wouldn't go with Fresca. God no. Don't want to mix the citrus and the the bacon. Um, I mean, I guess I, I I could almost see it just working with a regular cola. I could almost kind of see it working with the Diet Coke Lime too, but no, definitely not Orange Crush. No, I don't know. Uh, so, another thing that I didn't know, huh, I, there's a lot of shit that I don't know. It's kind of obvious if you've listened to the past 73 episodes of this show, right? Um, oh, okay, Roy Black on Crack says mineral water. Ah. Oh, and you know what? I gotta grab another beer, because I actually just finished my melon head. But this little bit is not about beer this is about another you can call it an alcoholic beverage but it's it's a it's a different kind of mixture and i actually found out about this from our own marianne from daytime divas she uh clued me into this particular beverage because she got to uh try it somewhere and found that it was pretty damn good it's called mama Wana. And it's spelled, well, it's two words, but it's pretty much, it's spelled like marijuana, but it's mamawana. Um, oh, hold on just a second. Let me get to that Wikipedia page, because Wikipedia is the best for this. Uh, mamawana is a drink from the Dominican Republic that's concocted by allowing rum, red wine, and honey to soak in a bottle with tree bark and herbs. The taste is similar to port wine, and the color is a deep red. I've got rum. Still got some red wine. I may have some honey. Uh, don't have the tree bark and herbs. Or at least not the kind that I'd probably want for this. But that's not that big a deal, as I will explain shortly. Oh. Carton's Monkey Chase the Weasel. So fucking good. God damn, I wish I had bought more of this, but expensive. Uh, the specific herbs that make up Mama, yeah, make up Mamawana were originally blah, 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 fuck originally prepared as an herbal tea by the native Taino Indians 
post-Columbus, alcohol was added to the recipe. Besides being rumored to be an aphrodisiac, with many natives of the Dominican Republic claiming the drink has similar effects, mamawana is also consumed for its medicinal value. Aha! Another interesting thing here. The alcohol is said to act as an extract base that pulls the herb's curative properties, creating an herbal tincture often served as a shot. The reported positive effects on health vary, ranging from a flu remedy to a digestion and circulation aid, blood cleanser, and kidney and liver tonic. I'll try it. Shit, I mean, I, I rarely get a flu, but this might be good to have around for that. Uh, the term mamawana has the same French origins as the English word demijohn, which refers to a large squat bottle with a very short neck, usually covered in wicker. You kind of can visualize that. You know, think, think of a growler that's in wicker, basically. Uh, thought to be derived from the French uh, Dame Jean, uh, Lady Jane. Uh, term still used to describe this type of bottle. In the Spanish-speaking countries, Dame Jean was transformed into Damawana or um, Damawana. And later in the Dominican Republic, Mamawana, Mother Jane. Many different variations of recipes to make Mamawana, since the name refers to the bottle or container originally used to prepare and store the maceration rather than to the finished product itself. So it was, and it was apparently invented as a branded herbal medicine in the 1950s by Jesus Rodriguez. And Rodriguez co-wrote the song Mamawana, performed by Tatico Henriquez, and was later recognized by other merengue typico artists, such as Trio Reynoso and El Siguito de Nagua. Um, in fact, you know what? Uh, pull up YouTube here, see if. Uh, See if we can find this song. Might be might be good uh, background music for this. You know, if I, I would have probably thought about this first, but you know, um, I don't want to make it. Um, uh, well, this is from 1998. I have no idea what the hell this is, but eh, shit, why not? There's a hot chick in the the art here. Uh, oh wait, <laughs> does dumbass have Chrome muted? Yes, he does. Okay, why not? Uh, as the drink became more and more popular for its health benefits, the government under President Rafael Trujillo sought to arrest anyone who was selling mamawana without a certified medical license. In the 1970s, Rodriguez fled to the United States and relocated to Manhattan, New York. On May 26, 2013, Jesus Rodriguez died of septicemia and severe pneumonia. So I guess mamawana is not good for that. So like I said, it's a mixture of bark and herbs left to soak in the rum, most often dark rum, which I have, which is also good. Red wine and honey. The solid ingredients vary from region to region. And then there are just all these different varieties of leaves and bark and everything. They say it's also common for individuals to add other ingredients such as cinnamon, raisin, strawberry, molasses, and lemon or lime juice. Some recipes are said to include grated tortoise shell, which is... Uh, Kind of weird. Uh, or sea turtle penis for aphrodisiac effect. The concoction is usually kept at room temperature and served in a shot glass. As with many other alcoholic drinks, the longer the maker lets it sit, the better it tastes. Now, this is the part that is of most interest to me. Mamawana is commercialized in two ways. Pre-packaged dry ingredients, which the customer cures and macerates, or ready to drink filtered and bottled. I have not decided to seek out any uh, ready-to-drink mamawana yet, 
But next time I'm at the liquor store, I may see if there is some sort of variety there. I know, Alan wanted me to pull out an accent, but I was only doing it on the names like, uh, the names like Jesus Rodriguez and uh, Trio Reynoso and El Siguito de Nagua and Tatico Henriquez and President Rafael Trujillo. Like I said, Jesus Rodriguez died of septicemia and severe pneumonia. I don't know. I can't make it sound good, but there is a site that I found that provides the mix of herbs and so on in its own bottle for mixing and curing. I may seriously pick up one of these kits in the future. Like I said, I've been spending a little bit too much on uh, show stuff lately. Uh, maybe when I get one of my next big videography paychecks, I might do this. But um, they have traditional mamawana. And actually, you know what? I can probably... Yeah, let me copy the image URL. Post this in the chat here. And again, if you're not in the chat, morelikeradio.com slash live. That is mamawana. That is all the herbs and everything in the uh, in the bottle there. This is from the mamawanastore.com. Traditional mamawana. Don Xavier, traditional, authentic mamawana. Enjoy the unique and ex- exquisite taste of a perfect... I'm sorry. I should use an accent here. Don Xavier, traditional, authentic mamawana. Enjoy the unique and exquisite taste of a perfectly balanced traditional family recipe. It's smooth, woody, and herbal personality will vitalize your body from the inside out. This is a 750 milliliter bottle. Uh, they also have a cinnamon mamawana, which is kind of interesting. Um, and like the Wikipedia article said, some people do add cinnamon. So, Don Xavier Cinnamon has a semi-sweet, smooth, woody, and herbal personality with a special touch of raw cinnamon prepared to vitalize your body from the inside out, just like a penis. Doesn't say the penis part. Just to, you know, iterate that. Um, also, another store I found, MamawanaCorp.com. With this site, it looks like they're just selling the herbs, like uh, six ounce bag of mamawana herbs uh, fills a standard 750 milliliter bottle so if you already have a bottle that you want to fill um, to be honest though um, the actually um, oh god damn it I hate it when the music ends let me start that over again um, the the one from the other uh, the mamawana store that was $29.95 for that bottle with all the herbs at the mamawana at mamawana corp I'm gonna tired of saying Mamawana. You can get the six ounce bag of the herbs for twenty bucks, and then it's another six bucks in shipping. So, yeah. Um, they sell Jesus Christ. They sell a commercial and party animal sized plastic jug with dispenser for three hundred and twenty five dollars. To be fair, it is a fourteen liter. Oof. These are some uh, some other images here from this other site. Red Sox, are you laughing at my bad accent? I, I, I was losing it for a second there, and it almost went French. Ugh. And if you want to look up this uh, this hot song, it's 
Grupo Mamawana and Angie Martinez Tomando Mamawana from 1998 Angie Martinez Uh, Let's search Google for her Oh shit, wait Is this the same Angie Martinez that was on Hot 97? And now she's on Power 105 What the hell? I didn't know she was like if that's the same one, I'm trying to figure this out now. Uh, former rapper and actress. Son of a bitch! Wow, she looks different than she did in uh, 1998, apparently. Oof. Age is uh, a little bit of a bitch to her. I mean, she still looks okay. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, still stick my cock in there, but just, you know, might have to leave, leave the lights off a little bit, I suppose. Um, what the fuck? What? Uh, enough of this fucking music. Oh, damn it. I feel like I should go out and have some Mexican at this point. Um, yeah, why, why the hell isn't Kitty listening for that matter? Come on. Where is she? Um, but, so I, I may, I may make myself some mamawana in the future. Uh, it would be good for the show. And, I mean, I already, like I said, I already have the rum, already have the red wine. If I need to get honey, that's cheap. So it'd be like you know a thirty dollar investment or whatever. So that's that's not too bad, and it would it would I assume last for a while, considering all my hard liquor seems to last for a while. I don't drink as much as you people seem to think I do. Well, uh, hard liquor, beer, yes. In fact, my uh, fridge rarely goes without beer for even a single day because I have that much of a problem. I completely admit that. And I admit that freely. So, yeah. Uh, with that... Alcohol by Cheers. volume, Kevin oh, Show! Hey! It's hey. oh, the name of the show, hey! More like radio, less like crap. Want more alcohol by volume? Because I'm kind of drunk for this, that shit nuts! Download past episodes at morelikeradio.org. Join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. And follow along on Twitter at MLR underscore alcohol. I find your drunkenness very unappealing. I am drunk, or I wouldn't be talking to you. Looking to go to the biggest internet radio live event on the eastern seaboard? Well, go to the second annual More Like Radio live event, a tribute to Otto Peterson. Saturday, August 9th, from 1 to 4 p.m. at Just Jake's in Montclair. Come see your favorite comedians and possibly Mersh if you can get a ride. $10 suggested donation. All proceeds would go to benefit the Otto Peterson family. August 9th, from 1 to 4 p.m. at Just Jake's in Montclair. Talk Radio Meltdown. I literally think I got an Instagram. I think I posted one, possibly two photos, and I haven't touched the same. Both of beer. No, actually, uh, one of them was of... Uh, His I know balls. My- <laughs> it never ends. <laughs> Talk Radio Meltdown every Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern on morelikeradio.com. Hey, smokers, you stink. I'm not talking about your character. That's a given. I'm talking about your clothes. It's time to kick the butts and move over to something more pleasant. 
I'm talking about e-cigs from Smokeless Image. They're cheaper than cigarettes, don't smell, and are available in a wide variety of flavors ranging from mints, fruits, desserts, or the traditional tobacco flavors if that's what you want. Simply go to tinyurl.com slash mlrsmoke for all your vaping needs. That's tinyurl.com slash mlrsmoke. Hey, you feel classy on Monday nights? Welcome to the slit party. Yes! Well, uh, okay, maybe not. Listen to Marianne. Oh my god, I would take the shits over throwing up anytime. Uh, and Kitty. Yeah, and you know what I like doing is sucking the cream out. Wait, what the hell is this show about? That's a bad vagina. And I'm supposed to listen to this train wreck. Why? Their show is so funny. Oh, my God. Well, uh, if you say so, Kitty. So uh, when am I supposed to tune in? How about like a Monday night at 9? Okay, sounds good. Anything else I should know? Better out through the mouth than the butt, right? I think I'd rather have it out through the butt. They don't pay me enough to do this goddamn shit. Daytime Divas, Monday, 9 to 11 Eastern, only on More Like Radio. Penis, 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 penis. Hey, are you absolute garbage? Let me guess, an alcoholic, a drug addict? When was the last time you were even out of your house? Well, why don't you join us for the Red Show? We're all about personal betterment and self-esteem. I want to do, uh, you know, maybe like uh, City Meets the Swamp, something, something. I hope it ends up with the fucking city getting eaten by a goddamn alligator. Ambassadors of peace at any income level. That's what we do here. We're all about olive branches. <laughs> no, you're a fucking white trash asshole. You're about olive fucking garden, okay? <laughs> <laughs> One thing we don't forget is how important our fans are. Is there anything more you want to say about any of these uh, cocksuckers that are listening? No, I don't think so. Okay. And we recognize the struggles and hardships of our friends. We don't give a fuck. I hope you relapsed. Burn in hell, bull. Oh, my God. What are you I meant doing? I love you, bro. Get better. So come join us live Wednesday nights and experience functional substance abuse on The Red Show. Only on More Like Radio. You're doing some things with Enya, correct? I, I hope you end your life. Now, <laughs> get <off the> mic- <laughs> now get off the microphone while I talk to my pal. Mr. Turtle, how many hosts does it take to make a podcast as good as the Shy Kids podcast? I ain't never made it through a whole episode. Ask Mr. Owl. Mr. Owl, how many hosts does it take to make a podcast as good as the Shy Kids podcast? Let's find out. A one, a two, a three. Three. How many hosts does it take to make a podcast as good as the Shy Kids podcast? The world may never know. I said three, motherfucker. The Shy Kids podcast. Saturdays, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific at morelikeradio.com. We're shy kids. See it right there. It's done. <laughs> you know the way at the start of the last episode, we went through uh, different nationalities, you know, and now people know that we're Irish. <laughs> and now people know that we're all shite at accents as well. <laughs> but I was wondering, is it prejudice to not make fun of, like, all of the countries? Where's he going for here? We'll name check every country on the show. That way no one can be mad. Have a blast. I could do Swedish. Oh, yeah. Cool. Birdie, birdie. <laughs> <laughs> and to the Italians. Papa the poopy. Papa the poopy. <laughs> okay. To the Mexicans. Hey, hey man. 
Uh, Spain? Singapore? Amazing. Australia? Crocodile Dundalk. No. You big loop, are you? No, that sounds like Limerick or something. That's why we never slide off the Irish, do we? Someone put a bomb in me potato. <laughs> there you go. OSW Review. All Irish, all racist. <laughs> Saturday's noon east. Join Halls and Rorschach as they bring you the news you need to get you through your weekend. Ali, Ali, can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> okay, Ali, I'm outside right now. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's really boring hard out here. Uh, Sounds like it. Where are you at? Are you in Antarctica? <laughs> uh, wait a minute, Ali. I see somebody coming toward me. There's a, there's a man coming toward me. Hey guys, it's Halls from It's All About Me. Join Rorschach and myself every Saturday from noon to 2 Eastern Time right here on More Like Radio. Do you like video games? Are you a little antisocial? Well, listen to Antisocial Gamer Radio. Tuesdays from 3 to 5 on morelikeradio.com. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code DEAL48 at checkout and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code DEAL48. That's D-E-A-L-48 at adamandeve.com. Talk Radio Meltdown presents Chatty Wampus, a side project of Talk Radio Meltdown featuring me, Jack Gill, and Nicole Mossy. Oh my God! It's an hour of covering topics that we didn't get to during the most recent episode of Talk Radio Meltdown, but with a more focused approach, or at least... That's what we're trying to do. You can hear Chatty Wumpus live on morelikeradio.com every Saturday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Podcasts of the show will be available at talkradiomeltdown.com. If you've already subscribed to Talk Radio Meltdown on iTunes, the new episodes of Chatty Wumpus will be posted right there so you won't need to subscribe to a new feed. Talk Radio Meltdown presents Chatty Wumpus every Saturday night from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern on morelikeradio.com. A ton of lineup stronger than Owen Hart's safety harness. Morelikeradio.com.
other internet radio stations are gay. Now, Mark is going to be at the Ice House in Pasadena this Sunday. And in addition to Mark being a comic, he is also the host of a popular podcast. Oh, hold on. There is no such thing as a popular podcast. Ooh, zing. Sorry, but actually I got a pretty good listener base. And, you know, I used to do radio, but uh, I prefer podcasting a lot more freedom. Oh, so you prefer not to make money. That's like me preferring to have a small penis. Oh, by the way, <laughs> if you do have a small penis, you might be eligible to see Miley Cyrus in our contest. Teeny weeny Miley Go. You can see the website for details. Yeah, I'd take a pay cut not to have to say that. Well, how do you make money? Do you have to drum up your own advertisers? Well, you know, some of them come to me, but basically, yeah. Yeah, Heidi, it's not like you can pull butt plug advertisers out of your ass. <laughs> Well, at least I get to choose my advertisers. Who are you pretending to believe in today? A check cashing place or a website for dudes who cheat on their wives? Mark, let's get real. Okay. You do the show out of your garage. Well, it was my garage, but now it's, uh, you know. Hey, Jose, could you cut the front yard? I'm trying to interview Carrot Top. It's cute. Oh, the neighbor's dog got out under the fence again. I hope she doesn't run into that garbage truck. <laughs> oh, I forgot to put my cans out, uh, Carrot Top. Do you mind? Yeah. You know what? You guys can goof all you want, but you're making fart noises on the Titanic. You think anybody is entertained by this? Maybe before there were choices, but you're losing listeners every day. This isn't interesting. It's not engaging. This is a hostage situation for people who don't have a smartphone. And your format restrictions are ridiculous. Why do you feel compelled to give out the time every five minutes? All cars have the time. All computer screens have the time on them. There are clocks everywhere. Yet, yet, yet with OCD-like precision, you are compelled to always give out the time. It's horrendous. It's 8.25. Our number two here on Alcohol by Volume on More Like Radio. Jump into the live chat, morelikeradio.com, and click on the live tab at the top of the page there. And if you want to Skype in, alcohol by volume, all one word, or if you are on a telephone, and why is there an ant on one of my monitors? Fuck you, ant. Um, wait, no, not that ant. No, God, I'm going to get hate tweets. God damn it. Um, it was actual, you know, bug on my monitor. That's what it was. If you actually want to call in from a telephone, 862-345-7125. Welcome back to my uh, few loyal listeners, this shit show here. Uh, damn, there was something I thought about over break, and I completely forgot what it was. And that's how my brain works. So I'll just get back into the news here. It's from NewEnglandBrewNews.com, a site that I did not know existed, but now I'm very curious about it. Uh, the Harpoon Brewery announces that effective August 1st, it will become an employee-owned company. Interesting idea. It makes you wonder if other uh, craft brewers may follow suit on this one. So this is uh, their press release from July 10th out of Boston, Massachusetts. The Harpoon Brewery... Brewers of Harpoon IPA and UFO beers. And if you have not had their, um, was it the Big Squeeze? Or, fuck. See, I got I got to look this up now. Uh, UFO Grapefruit. Uh, Harpoon. UFO Big Squeeze Shandy. That's the one. If you haven't had that before, check it out. Very, very, very good. 
uh, is proud to announce that effective August 1st, it will become an employee-owned company. Isn't that a bit like the uh, inmates running the asylum? Ho, ho, ho! I don't have a duck sound effect. Um, the existing shareholder group transferred 48% of Harpoon shares to an employee stock ownership plan. This new structure of employee ownership will ensure the brewery's independence and preserve Harpoon's culture. So basically, from what I gather here, is if, say, Anheuser-Busch came in and said, hey, Harpoon, we want to buy you. It's going to make it that much more difficult for Anheuser-Busch to do so because it's employee-owned and each employee is going to have their own opinions on this. So um, it, it really it you know spreads out the shareholders, I guess you could you know put it that way. Uh, employee ownership is the embodiment of what Harpoon stands for, says Harpoon co-founder Dan Kennery. Our success as an independent craft brewer is attributed to our outstanding employees and the wonderful culture we have at the brewery. The ESOP, the Employee Stock Ownership Plan, strengthens our commitment to our employees, our culture, and to making and sharing great beer. So uh, Harpoon is the 12th largest craft brewery in the U.S., currently has 187 full-time employees between Boston and uh, its Windsor, Vermont. Ooh, excuse me, brewing facilities. Um, let's see. Um, one of the founders, Rich Doyle, he was CEO, but he's going to be stepping down. We'll maintain part-time status at the brewery, focusing on marketing, sales, new business, ugh, business development, shit like that. Whereas Dan Kennery, the other founder, he's going to assume the role of CEO, and then no other changes in the management structure are taking place. Um, let's see. The announcement of the ESOP was made to Harpoon employees at a special mid-year meeting on the evening of July 9th. Um, let's see. Did I put any other notes? No, I don't think I did. Um, but I, I think this is a good idea to, to keep them safe from you know, dollars, dollars tempt, dollars tempt. And I could see, you know, Dan Kennery and Rich Doyle, if Anheuser-Busch came knocking at their door, Offering them, you know, all these wonderful things like we can increase your distribution, we can increase your production, blah 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 blah. But we'll own you. With with Goose Island, I mean, that's that's what happened. Goose Island still, in my opinion, does really great shit. I have no problem with Goose Island. You know, there are other people that instantly denounce them now as being shit. But you got your beer snobs out there. I'm a partial beer snob, but not to that respect. Um, but this this will protect them from you know a takeover like that where the the money could really really tempt. I mean, um, I for instance, I I I just started watching uh, Silicon Valley. I think I'm like two episodes in, and um, can't even remember the name of the main character. But you know, w- would you take the whatever it was, ten million, or would you take the two hundred thousand and get to still you know be responsible for the creation of your product? Um, eh, that that ten million that you could you could live pretty good on that ten million if you're careful with it if you invest it right and everything. And uh, Dan Kennery and Rich Doyle basically kind of took that out of their hands and put it into the hands of the employees. If the employees want to do it, then completely up to them. So uh, good on Harpoon for for making that uh, making that decision there. Some other craft brewers may follow suit. You never know. And speaking of the beer industry, that was a shitty fucking segue. Um, yeah, I know. 
Sorry, I'm trying to open another tab here. Another story I just saw. Beer industry hits milestone not seen in more than 100 years. Oh, uh, the beer brewing business in the United States continues to reach levels not seen in well over a century. You don't have to reiterate that. It was your fucking headline. God damn it. Fucking CNBC.com. Um, Brewers Association economist. Economist? Economist? Economist. I can't talk. Bart Watson writes, Although precise numbers from the 19th century are difficult to confirm, this is likely the first time the United States has crossed the 3,000 brewery barrier since the 1870s. Now let me go get myself a phosphate. I don't know why I made him an old man. <laughs> um, so what number marks the top? According to Watson, it's believed the high point for total breweries in operation was 4,131, which occurred in 18. 73. The U.S. could be well on its way to passing that mark. As Watson says, there are another 2,000 breweries in planning in the Brewers Association database. And it this really does show how much of a toll prohibition took on the beer industry in the U.S. You know, early in the last century. Uh, and that we're just now hitting the point of real recovery with that. It's strange to think that. So the article goes on, uh, positing the question, can the market sustain all these breweries? And this guy, uh, Bart Watson, he thinks that, you know, because supply still isn't meeting demand, that the market can. So, um, I don't know if there were any interesting comments in this one. I don't think there were. Yeah, the population keeps increasing. Those can support more breweries and wineries. Um, small brewer tax credit taking effect. Uh, the market will determine which will survive. It makes me glad to see that despite ever-increasing government regulations, the smaller guys are at least getting a start. And I, I do like, you know, I like seeing these these genuine breweries starting up. Not the, the glut of Kickstarter breweries with no fucking pedigree behind them is just really starting to annoy me. Um, but the, the genuine ones that are popping up out there, those those I can really get behind. Love to see more in my area here in New Jersey, but may not, it may not make a difference if I move to Florida. Who knows? Um, I want to f- maybe try and find some in Pennsylvania that are close enough. I mean, I'm I'm not that far from Pennsylvania. Uh, I mean, I drove over an hour for Carton and Kane, so I'll happily drive another hour into PA to you know hit another couple breweries or whatever. But um, if if anybody knows of any breweries that for some reason I am just not aware of in the North New Jersey area um, and then the you know adjacent Pennsylvania area, let me know because I would really like to go to them because I kind of have an itch for that now. Um, Jesus Christ, I killed the fucking chat with the Mamawana. It's just the Mamawana there and that's it. <sighs> so it is. Uh, it was another article for CNBC, where uh, apparently a guy is uh, complaining about uh, pumpkin already being out on shelves, and I will admit, last year I did complain. What the fuck? Did I get marker on my leg? The fuck? I did complain a bit about the quote, you know, seasonal creep of the pumpkin beers hitting way, way too early, but. Uh, the way I heard it described by someone is that 
you almost with the timing of the brewing and everything you have to get them on shelves at this time because say for instance you did wait until you know mid-october even beginning of october to get these pumpkin beers on the shelves well then you've got october november december by december people really don't want the pumpkin beers so much anymore so really you're it's more october and november you got a two-month window there if you release it at the beginning of october I mean, by by December, people are, are into you know the winter warmers and you know the the other you know holiday themed beers and stuff like that. So releasing you know pumpkin may be a little early in July, but you think July, August, September, October, November—that's a five-month window for these pumpkin beers. That's a pretty fucking good window. You could probably cut it down one month and hold it off till August. And I I admit last year I, I was bitching about them showing up in august august is actually a good time because otherwise you're you're left with a three month window to sell those things and that's not that's not a very deep window there um let me see what else uh if anything else says in this article nah um okay well okay th- see this is a oh, god damn it these commenters are fucking retards here on CNBC. I mean, okay, this first one is fine, even though that's not really enough to a- probably release for people that want to age a bottle and open it three in three to four months. Uh, I mean, if it's a stout, yeah. If it's a pumpkin ale, you're not really going to do much to it in three and four months. The hell, a stout, you're not going to do much to it three, four months. History Speaks 10. This guy is a fucking retard. Um, let's see. what kind of What kind of voice should I give him? Uh, just a whiny voice. And the question is, why? Why would anyone make a pumpkin beer to begin with? They're silly and then they're stupid. I'm not quite sure into which category pumpkin beer falls. And this is coming from a person who has had pumpkin pie as my birthday cake since I was a kid. Fuck you, History Speaks 10. Pumpkin beers are amazing. You're a fucking moron. Um... Wildcat07 says, this makes as much sense as Summer Ale's debuting during March Madness and disappearing at the end of July. Again, I, th- I think, I mean, <sighs> disappearing at the end of July, I, I still see the summer beers out there. I see all the all the summer shandies. I still see the uh, the Sam Adams Summer pack, which mm, I do have to make sure I get another case of that before, uh, before next month because I could see it start disappearing through August. But look at it this way. Okay, if it comes out in March, March, April, May, June, July, August. Okay, March may be a little bit early, and that guy may have been exaggerating a little bit. That's a six-month window. Knock out March, you got a five-month window there that you want to sell this beer. Um, and, of course, knowing knowing the way weather is, I mean, who knows if the temperatures are going to be hot early or not. So, April, May, June, July, August. And then you're in... But you have the overlap of the fall beers too so don't even count august necessarily because your your stock is going to be running out at that point it's really a four-month window so it, it, the more and more i think about it with the release of these seasonal beers it actually makes a strange kind of sense from a marketing standpoint from a sales standpoint um the uh, the release schedules of these 
And uh, White S. Brent says, pie for a birthday cake? What a retard. Well, hey, I my mom used to make me a rhubarb pie for my birthday. Rhubarb pie is kind of special, though. Rhubarb pie is a little bit different. Pumpkin pie. Pumpkin, pumpkin pie is for fucking Thanksgiving. So that that guy's a fucking retard. My my pie's awesome. Or or you get a or you get a Mrs. Fields cookie cake. Oh, those things are goddamn good. But these days I'm fine with just a slice of it. Don't need the whole fucking thing because I don't want to blow back up again. Um and it's also because I've I've never I've never been a big fan of cake. I mean, cake's okay, but I've always been a pie person. But a pumpkin pie as a birthday cake, that that's fucking retarded. That is fucking retarded. Um, if you remember a few weeks back, uh, in fact, I think it was it was before I did the New York Craft Brew Fest, uh, I had read that article about Jim Cook and how he keeps from getting drunk at the beer festivals, and he ingests some yeast before the festival, mixes it into some yogurt, eats it that way, and it the basically the what was it the the yeast um, the yeast kind of intercepts the ethanol or whatever I'm, I'm not going to the science the article will do it this I got it from NPR does eating yeast actually keep you from getting drunk well um, NPR uh, they 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 did some science with this shit. Um, as they say, Jim Cook is a professional drinker, founder of Sam Adams, blah, 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 blah. This involves a lot of sipping, sometimes well before noon, blah, 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 blah. Uh, da, 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 da. Yeast has an enzyme just like our own livers and stomach linings that can break down alcohol. But we were dubious. Ooh. Yeast makes alcohol from sugar. If, we, if it were good at degrading it, wouldn't it eat up all the ethanol in wine and beer? Though there's been plenty of research showing that food in the stomach slows the absorption of alcohol into the bloodstream, we couldn't find anything on yeast doing the same thing. So, um, what they did, they did a study here, and they did three separate tests. Two beers and nothing else. Two beers plus Jim Cook's yeast and yogurt method before each one. And then two beers plus 16 ounces of water before and after each one. Okay, seems a pretty fair study there. So, before each test, they fasted for eight hours, ensured their stomachs were empty, there'd be no question of food potentially interfering with the results. For each round, they drank the same uh, two beers. Sierra Nevada's Torpedo IPA, um, over a period of 15 minutes, then followed by Lagunitas IPA, over another 15 minutes. So, those beers are between 6-7 ABV. And the goal, find out whether eating yeast mixed with yogurt or drinking extra water while drinking would suppress their blood alcohol content, the only true measure of drunkenness, since our sense of it varies so much physically and psychologically from person to person. Um, now, that said, I mean, you know, Jim Cook, it, blood alcohol content is is so subjective, too. I mean... I honestly think that someone can be drunk on .08, whereas another person may not be. Um, I'm not even. I'm not talking legally speaking. I think .08 is bullshit for the most part. But there, there are probably some people, some very, you know, very, you know, tiny girls that .08. Yeah, they're probably kind of fucked up there. 
so um, let's see. Uh, they took blood alcohol readings using a calibrated backtrack S80 Pro breathalyzer. Um, hmm. I want one. Somebody buy me this. Um, let me see if it's on Amazon. Copy. Because my birthday's coming up. I need a breathalyzer. Yeah, really. Um, backtrack. Son of a bitch! Well, it is the number one bestseller in personal breathalyzers, and it is $130 Amazon Prime shipping, four stars out of five. And wish list, let's uh, add it to my tech stuff wish list. Yeah. Okay. Just a little bit for me there. Um, so they took the readings with that breathalyzer. Um, let's see. So... the have the people's names here. Michaeline? What the fuck kind of name is that? Uh, blood alcohol concentration by hour. And um, fasted with nothing but beer and fasted with yeast and yogurt. The lines on the graph are almost identical on this one. Um, no, I can't. Okay. It's a, I thought it might have been a, a JPEG or something, but it's not. Fasted with water actually found them at a lower blood alcohol percentage, which is kind of weird. Um, let's see. With the nothing but beer, it was a shade over 0.08. With the yeast and yogurt, a um, little bit lower than that. And then with the water, it was 0.06. Very interesting. Very similar result for uh, Alistair. Um, in fact, the, uh, the water was a little bit closer this time. 0.04 with the water... Uh, about a 0.05 with the yeast and yogurt and closer to 0.06 with just beer. And then uh, Eliza, woo! Eliza, most of hers were up near 0.08. In fact, the, the yeast and yogurt and the water were pretty much identical and the nothing but beer was above that. So they went on to say, as scientific as we could manage, our test involved just three people of average weight in their mid-30s. We don't claim to be a representative sample. And even among the three of us, you'll see there was variation in how much alcohol we absorbed now, quickly it entered and left our bloodstreams, but a few conclusions were clear. Yeast and yogurt doesn't slow down the absorption of alcohol very much, perhaps only a tad, but drinking a bunch of water before and between beers might have a slightly bigger effect on peak blood alcohol content than the yeast-yogurt combo. I'm curious if you blended the two. If you do the yeast-yogurt combo and you drink the water, they didn't think to do that. I, I'm curious about the effects of that. I don't have a breathalyzer, so I can't really do these tests myself. Uh, so anyone wants to get me a breathalyzer, I can do them. I can do them live on the air. Ha ha. Uh, so what's going on? Why didn't the yeast gobble up all the ethanol in the beer before we absorbed it? Uh, yeast can degrade ethanol, says microbiologist Benjamin to Oh, you're so smart. Of the uh, University of Texas Southwestern Medical Center, but they love other sugars, glucose, maltose, more. When those sugars are around, the cells turn off the genes needed for alcohol degradation. So basically, the yeast the yeast isn't degrading the alcohol or the ethanol as much as Jim Cook apparently seems to think that it does. Uh. Oh, excuse me. Um, neurobiologist George Koob who directs the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, 
says that Jim Cook's technique falls more in the urban legend category than into science. Um, basically, we think that probably yeast is delaying the absorption of alcohol because any foodstuff or anything you take that occupies the stomach lining is going to impede the absorption of alcohol. Um, Jim Cook, and he didn't claim it was for everyone. He says, I can't say it works for everyone. It works for me. And you know what? If Jim Cook's biology is as such that it works for him, fine. Who's to say it wouldn't work for me? It may not work for me. It may work for me. Um, these three people, it clearly did not work for them. But that doesn't mean that it's, you know, a three-person study is not completely definitive. Um, and then talking with the water, they were saying um, the water dilutes the alcohol in your stomach. Okay, that, that would make some sense there. Um, they also say we wouldn't really rec recommend pounding 32 ounces of water with each drink. It's unpleasant to put that much w liquid in your body in such a short time, not to mention potentially dangerous. Oh, come on. I, I, I drink fucking 64 ounces every day in my work day and sometimes more than that. I mean, I can, I can chug a bit of water with a drink too. Um, another key finding is there's a sweet spot in getting buzzed around uh, 0.04 blood alcohol content. No shocker, better to underdrink than overdrink. The closer you get to 0.08, the more likely you are to be impaired. See, I, I do prefer I do prefer the buzz than the full-on drunkenness because with the full-on drunkenness, I get depressed and introspective and I put myself into a very, very bad mood where I will leave Twitter, leave Facebook, leave WhatsApp and all the other forms of social media and whatnot and just go sit in my bedroom and sob silently to myself. So, 0.04. See, and if I if I had a breathalyzer, I'd know, okay, i got to stop drinking for a while because I'm at the happy spot. See, if you, if, if you want me to be happy, you'd, you might, you know, chip in for a, for a breathalyzer for me, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm putting hints out there. Most of you know my name. You can, you can find my goddamn, um, you can find my goddamn Amazon wish list, I'm willing to bet. Um... Ah, let's see if there are any interesting comments on this. I'm I, I'm I'm pushing my news articles as far as I can go today because I have very very few new releases and reveals today. Um, da, 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 real life guy who has yeast in his stomach. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, we remember that guy that was basically brewing beer in his stomach. Um. Ah. Okay, that is this is true. One of the commenters say, says, for what it's worth, their test didn't duplicate uh, Cook's routine. They fasted for eight hours before drinking, but I doubt that Mr. Cook skips breakfast or lunch before tasting his brew. They should have found out what Mr. Cook prefers for breakfast and lunch on work days and eaten that before doing the yeast thing. But somebody commented, they weren't trying to duplicate Cook's routine, just the impact of yeast. He doesn't claim that his routine helps. Claims the yeast with yogurt is what keeps him level on drinking days. Um... And then, uh, okay, th this uh, Don Lachlan, I, I like what he's saying here. Even if the yeast thing is rubbish, two 6 to 7% beers in 30 minutes is too much too fast. They should have tested a beer every hour or at least every 30 minutes to give the yeast time to react with the sugars. That makes sense because consider at a festival, you're not drinking, okay, you'd have to, in 30 minutes, you would have to have Assume a festival gives you two ounce samples. You would have to have six, 
Jesus Christ. You would have to have, well, 12 samples in 30 minutes, which isn't out of the realm of possibility. And I, I'm talking, you know, what Jim Cook would be doing at a festival or a tasting or something like that. He's not pounding them down that quick. If you've been to a beer festival, you know that sometimes, especially given some crowds, it it would be an unnecessary effort trying to pound down that much in 30 minutes. Um, I mean, that that's a sample... That's a sample almost every... Mm, like two and a half minutes or so, you're not you're not enjoying the shit at that point. I, so I don't think Jim Cook would be doing. Maybe twelve ounces within thirty minutes. So I don't know. I think I think they kind of fucked up this experiment a bit. Um. And nothing else really interesting in this article here. No uh, other comments. Interesting. Ah, let's move on to a brewer that uh, I don't get to drink because they don't distribute out here, and I still haven't been able to find them in New York State. This is from baynews9.com. Cigar City Inc.'s exclusive deal with Carnival Cruise Lines. Um, In recent years, more and more I've wanted to go on a cruise. I don't particularly like boats, especially with some of the horror stories in the news we've seen recently with uh, cruise lines. But it makes me wonder how much they'll rape you for this price-wise. I, I know often they'll have um, like a pay-one-price kind of thing and then drink all you want. But even yeah, I, I'm, I'm very curious if they'd be doing that with beers or not. So anyway, as the article goes, uh, an exclusive agreement between Carnival Cruise Lines and a Bay Area brewery will allow Florida vacationers to drink craft beer on the high seas. Ah... Uh, uh, starting on Saturday, Carnival began serving Tampa-based Cigar City Brewing's Florida Cracker, Belgian-style white ale, and Invasion Pale Ale on ships sailing from five Florida ports, including the port of Tampa. So really, it, you know, again, it, th- these boats are just, you know, sailing out of Florida. So people that live in Florida are already getting Cigar City anyway. But I know, um, in, in fact, I think... Um, when my in-laws went on a cruise last time, I think they picked up the cruise in Florida. So they flew down and then, you know, got on the cruise boat. Um, Vacationers won't have to guess where the beers come from. They already speak for Florida in itself. Uh, National sales manager Joseph Byrne says the beer references the original Cowboy of Florida. It's a nice light body beer that's great for the beach or at sea with the pirate on the label. In the old buccaneer colors, it was a match made in heaven. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, Carnival expects to serve nearly 100,000 Cigar City beers in the first year of the agreement. Carnival has 13 ships in Florida, two of which are based out of the Port of Tampa, and they serve about 2 million guests each year. This is kind of similar to craft brews getting on um, on airline flights. I, I, like, I like seeing this more. It's good exposure for craft brew. Um, anytime you can introduce craft beer into a travel situation or any kind of situation, be it, be it a sporting event, be it a theater event, something like that, that it may not ordinarily be, you know, and, and instead you'll, you know, you may normally see your Bud Light and your Heineken and your Rolling Rock and shit like that. It, it's good to see the craft brews getting those kind of exposure. Um, 
Oh, another scare tactic article. This one from Medical News Today. That sounds like a reputable source. They've been around since 2003. Wow! <sighs> Alcohol does not benefit the heart, claims new study. So another study saying alcohol bad versus the other ones that say alcohol okay. A new um, BMJ study. Uh, I'm assuming that's some kind of medical journal, but I don't know from where. But finds that even among people who drink only light to moderate amounts of alcohol, reducing consumption can improve heart health, reduce body mass index, and bring down blood pressure. Study defines light to moderate drinking as consuming 0.6 to 0.8 fluid ounces of alcohol a day or 17 to 23 milliliters, which is roughly what a 175 milliliter glass of wine contains. Wait, what? Light to moderate drinking is 0.6 to 0.8 fluid ounces a day or 17... That can't be 0.6 to 0.8. Point eight. They must mean six to eight fluid ounces, because point six to point eight ounces. It, who the fuck drinks point six to point eight fluid ounces? Ugh. Fucking stupid ass people. One hundred fifty five researchers from the UK, continental Europe, North America, and Australia. Blah blah blah. They found that people with a particular gene consumed seventeen percent less alcohol per week were less likely to binge drink, were more likely to abstain from alcohol altogether than non carriers. These lower alcohol consumers typically had a 10% average reduced risk of coronary heart disease, lower blood pressure, lower body mass index. Now, wait a second. Um, are we sure that it's reliant on the alcohol that's causing this, or is it their particular gene that is reducing the risk of coronary heart disease, lower blood pressure, lower BMI? These researchers say they concluded that reducing alcohol consumption across all levels of consumption is beneficial for heart health. How the fuck did they get that out of this study? That particular gene throws the whole fucking study out of whack. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to remember if there was a... Yeah, I think there were... God damn it, there were comments here. I think I did have it. Um, yeah, did the study consider the unique gene these lower drinkers have might be causing the health benefits in other ways? Is it the is the only effect of the gene lower alcohol consumption? If not, then I don't know if this provides a definitive conclusion on the matter. I'm all for healthy living. I'm just curious about their consideration of extraneous variables and the robustness of their conclusions. And that is completely true. Another person has same problem with this article. I mean, this this sounds this sounds just really suspect. Of course. Um, somebody... Alcohol is no benefit. Posted by KB on July 11, 2014 at 10.20 a.m. People rush to defend their glass of day habit because, after all, they don't want the conscious guilt of knowing they may be doing themselves harm. I know people in their 60s who down their Lipitor or Farron's, etc. each day and still think they can acceptably drink a glass or two a day. It's ludicrous to think about. They take pills to lower the chance of a cardiac event, but then go to dinner parties to drink. Ooh. Of course, then I found another article from uh, vgulp.com, Gulp Mag blog. Why drinking alcohol is not that bad after all. <laughs> Takes care of your heart. Moderate consumption of alcohol has been associated with raising levels of high-density lipoprotein or good cholesterol, which are in turn related with greater protection against heart diseases. Uh, 
Live longer. Drinking in moderation can actually add a few extra years to your lifespan. Uh, uh, drinking less than four or two drinks per day for men and women respectively could reduce the risk of death by 18%. Prevents diabetes. Hammy, have a beer. Adults who drink one or two glasses a day have a lowered risk of getting type 2 diabetes compared to ones who didn't drink at all. This last one I actually didn't know. No more of that runny nose. Smoking cigarettes actually increases susceptibility to common cold, while alcohol decreases it in (sighs) non-smokers. So I, I, I don't know about the participants of that fucking study, but I drink... On average, let's say, nah, on average, a drink and a half a day. There's Most days I have at least one drink, and the other half, you know, I figure it averages out over time, You know, especially with Tuesdays. Although, I'm, I'm only in my second beer tonight. It's very odd. Hmm. Um, but I've still been managing to lose weight and body fat percentage while drinking all this time. If an undisciplined dumbass like me can manage that, I mean, I, I've been pretty much consistently drinking since I started my show back in January of last year. And yeah, no, I, I had some weight gain, but it was also because I was eating shit food. I don't blame it on the beer. It was a shit food. Lost the weight. I'm starting to trim myself up a bit. I can actually almost kind of see some abs on my stomach here. It's amazing. The belly is starting to disappear. And guess what? I still drink my, you know, one to two beverages a day. Uh, My body fat percentage is going down. My weight is either going down or staying within like a three pound range. So... I am I am convinced that that study is fucking bullshit. Um, it just it, it does not look like it was reviewed very well at all. But look at what we do in the medical industry. Oof. All stupid, stupid, stupid bullshit. Hey, I did call it a beverage. <laughs> Roy Black on crack. Nigga called it beverages. Um. You know what? One one last news article before I uh, before I get into the new releases and reveals. I guess um, I don't know. I may end five minutes early or something because I'm just I'm fucking I'm fucking tired tonight. I don't know why. Um, could this pill treat alcoholism? This is from the Daily Mail UK. Once a day tablet should be offered to heavy drinkers to help curb their addic- addiction. Experts say. Alcoholics should be offered a once-a-day tablet on the NHS, I believe, what is it, the National uh, Health System, um, to help them curb their addiction, health officials have said. The drug uh, Nalmethane should be made available to heavy drinkers, the National Institute of Health and Care Excellence. Oh, the acronym is NITH. Oh. Said in new draft guidance. Around 600,000 people across England and Wales could benefit from the drug in their struggle against alcohol addiction. The drugs manufacturers, Lundbeck estimated. Oh, of course the drugs manufacturers are going to say that. They're not going to tell you that it it could potentially kill you, right? Of course not. Um, Ass is falling asleep. What the hell? It's a problem when you have a bony ass like mine. Ugh. 
The drug helps to reduce the craving for alcohol by controlling the reward mechanism in the brain. Interesting. Uh, the draft guidance from NICE states that nalmaphene should be available as an option for those who are heavy drinkers, but not those who require immediate detoxification. Experts said the drug could be prescribed to those alcoholics who have already taken the first steps on their road to recovery by seeking medical advice. Um, alcohol addiction is a serious issue for so many, said Professor Carol Longson, director of NICE's Health Technology Evaluation Center. Oh, they don't have a fun acronym there. That's just uh, tech. Those who could be prescribed nalmaphene have already taken the first big steps in their fight against their addiction by visiting their doctor and taking part in therapy programs. We're pleased to be able to make draft recommendations which can support people in their fight. Um, let's see Let's see if any comments are uh, pissing people off. Oh, geez. Will other life-saving drugs be made available for people who do not bestow ill health on themselves? Um, let's see an alcoholic is a very different person from a heavy drinker for an alcoholic one drink is too much and a hundred drinks isn't enough yeah ooh that's, that's fucking deep that's deep there most heavy drinkers know when they've had enough but sadly an alcoholic can't get enough of their poison it's a very serious illness disappointed to see so many commenters here with glib and superficial answers telling ill people to pull themselves together simply doesn't work isn't helpful and reveals considerable ignorance about the nature of addiction. That is that is a fair point, and I guess I'm, I'm probably not an alcoholic because you know I, I'm a heavy drinker. That is what I am. I am just a heavy drinker, and I've just heavily drunk my second beer of the evening. And to show that I'm not an alcoholic, <laughs> yeah, yeah, who, who do I need to prove it to? Um, I don't know if I'm going to crack open a third one tonight. I mean, it's 10 minutes before 8. I don't know if I really, I don't know if I really need another one. See, I'm responsible, goddammit. Um, I'm not going to get more into those comments. I got another, uh, few articles that I can probably pull next week. Um, believe me, I'm always, always still wor- God damn it, I ran out of ink again! Jesus Christ! Ah, oh, fucking printer. That's... I'm, I'm, I'm printing out my DVD inserts, and there are eight separate cartridges in this goddamn printer, which which is nice, and it sucks. It's nice that, you know, you don't have one of those old um, three-color cartridges that when the yellow goes, it's fucking dead. But this one, let's see, I got uh, the uh, Photo Magenta, the Photo Cyan, then the regular Magenta, the regular Cyan, yellow, black, light gray, and dark gray. Yes, there are varying shades of gray and uh, my gray ran out so I need to uh, grab that after the show and put it in uh, but anyway let me uh, let me get into the new releases and reveals for the week uh, god damn it I feel like I gotta fucking pee again too Oof. Uh, this is one from Goose Island as I was uh, defending their honor earlier uh, Goose Island's the muddy imperial stout So it's an imperial stout with the addition of brewer's licorice, and um, I know th- th- there are some other other stouts out there, um, not necessarily licorice, but um, they'll they'll have like you know hints of anise and stuff like that in them. So uh, imperial stout with the addition of brewer's licorice. I I'm actually very curious what the difference between regular licorice is and brewer's licorice. I mean maybe it's been 
treated in such a way that it's suitable for brewing. I don't know. It's going to be hitting shelves in September in 12-ounce bottles, joining Goose Island's other Imperial Series beers, Illinois Ale and the Odgen. When I was reading it before, I kept saying Ogden, Ogden. It's Odgen. Unless they actually... uh, Unless they actually typoed it on the article, in which case I've been struggling to say it wrongly. Uh, 9% ABV on that one. Uh, Let's see, what's the next one? This is one out of, I believe, Minnesota. Um, If uh, Brent is still in the chat, he'll be uh, familiar with this particular brewer. This is Surly's Misanthrope, which is a fucking... Great name for a beer, Surly Misanthrope. Pretty much describes me to a T right there. Um, oh yeah, I should probably get the uh, the label art for you fine folks in the chat there. Th- this is this is a beer label I actually really really like. Um, wish I got Surly out here. Maybe I'll have to try and bribe Brent to send me a bottle of this. Uh, Surly Misanthrope. Belgian-style Saison, aged in oak barrels with Brettanomyces, so it ends up as an American wild ale in style. Yes, yes. So that that's totally my, my kind of taste there. Uh, Going to be 750 milliliter bottles. Arrival and ABV still to be determined. And then the last one I got for you, this is one I actually picked up today. A little bit of a surprise, but the, the news on the winter beers are you know starting to perk up a bit. This one's from Anchor. Anchor, famous for their steam beer. New winter seasonal from them. It's their winter wheat. It's a dark winter warmer with a blend of five wheats from Belgium, Germany, uh, the Midwest, and a family farm 75 miles away from the brewery. That uh, family farm, that is where they typically get their red wheat, apparently. So that's uh, pretty cool, I think. It's going to be in 12-ounce bottles and on draft, 7% ABV, and the arrival will hit as the winter months approach. Like I said, I'm cutting out a little bit early. It's about five minutes early right now. Probably end up being four by the time I'm done yammering. But as always, if uh, there's a local beer you think I should try, drop me an email at kevin at morelikeradio.com. See if we can try and work out some kind of beer trade. Um, I, I Like I said earlier in the show, I got, I got stuff on its way out to Brent right now. And I actually, I, I refined my packaging method so hopefully Brent will not have the problems releasing his precious beers that uh, Mitch did. I, I, I packaged the fuck out of Mitch's beers when I sent those. These, they're just as safe, but I think a little bit more streamlined, a little bit easier to open. So hopefully that works for you there, Brent. Uh, the ABV beer tasting list. Once again, I've become kind of lax with adding to it. TinyRL.com slash ABV beer tasting. There's a few things I got to add again. Uh, maybe this weekend. I don't fucking know. Check out what we're talking about in the Facebook group. Facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Uh, that was where I posed the, uh, the question of when you had your first drink, and that's still up there. So if you want to add uh, your take on that, go for it. And, of course, there's the ABV Facebook page, Facebook.com slash MLR alcohol by volume. Follow me on Twitter at E-D-I-C-I-U-S. That is Odysseus. Even my 3DS knows how to pronounce it properly in Tomodachi life. Ha <laughs> ha. My newest time suck. And the show Twitter at MLR underscore alcohol. Look me up on untapped. Alcohol by volume. All one word. Untapped is fucking phenomenal. 
Uh, I, I need to toast more of your drinks. Uh, I know Roy Black on Crack is frequently toasting mine, so I gotta toast some of his back there. Coming up next, Unsigned Hype, followed by Dutch and Royce. Thanks for listening, guys. I will talk to you next week.